You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. How is everyone today? Ready? Yes. Had a happy Christmas? It was a good time. Good time of food (laughs) and more food (laughs) and sharing time with family. I had a great time with my family. I'm still there now and it's it's really nice just being able to spend time with them and rest with them and relax with them. And uh, it's a real privilege to be able to have this opportunity to come and to share. It always is a privilege to share. And it's so, you know, I, I was wrestling in my mind, you know, God, what do I share? What do you want me to share? I've already got things. I've got, I, I'm always one that when I have a thought or a of a topic, I go and study it, and I go and into the Bible, and I take my time to read it and to to see where it's leading. And I had a couple of studies that I wanted to bring forward. I was thinking, you know, is this what you want me to bring, or do you have something else? Nothing. Don't you hate that when you when you're when you're seeking God and you really can't hear anything? And so it was one of those things where I was looking through what I was saying, and the more that I was looking over my words, the more one of them stuck out than the other. And it's incredible, because we've already looked at it this morning, and it's the Holy Spirit. We've already gone over the topic, and I'm going to quickly, briefly go what was shared. It was brought forward a a few months ago. And uh, Tyler first brought the first one, and it was on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And a couple of the points, he was just like, you know... Supernatural things occur when the Spirit is present. And that was the, one of the things that I pulled out from that first one. Hannah came second of all, and she, she said, was saying how the Holy Spirit is a person, how, and how we should view it in that way. It's not a case of a, it's always oh, in the clouds somewhere, it's just the air. No, no, the, the Spirit is a person. And so the way that we go and the way that we look at it should be that way. Tyra again then came and shared about the gifts of the Spirit and um, how it's not earned, but it's received. We cannot earn the gifts that God has for us. They can only be received, so we have to be there with open arms and receive it. But also that God has a gift for every single person. It's not just for one or two individuals, it's for all of us. And we just have to be willing to receive that. Then Julian, who's not here this morning, he shared about the fruit of the Spirit. And these are the things that can come when we move in the Spirit. And it, it, usually we want to, you know, people today want to make their name known. But it's like when we move in the Spirit, we're enhancing the kingdom. You know, and it's, it brings out characteristics within us. Tyler then came about how the Spirit gives us the power to liberate. It's, uh, and we've been hearing Daniele, he responded to the prompting of the Spirit, you know, in prophetic word. And it's recognizing when the Spirit is moving and responding to that, not, not missing out on that opportunity, but actually having the faith to stand firm and move forward in that. And then again, Tyler, to share about waiting on the Spirit. I think that's one that we all struggle with, one that I struggle with is... When, you, when you're just like, oh man, I really need to hear God now. And you just come and you pray. And like I just had, I said, I had nothing. I was just like, man, come on, just, just something, nothing. And so it's in that moment that we don't walk away, but we, we stay. 
and we just wait and we dwell because it's God's timing, not our timing. And we have to understand that. So moving on, I was just thinking, looking over what I had, and I was, I was compelled thinking, wow, we've heard so much about the Spirit. We've heard that about how it empowers people, how it, you know, how it can give, you know, it's, it's gift. It can give the fruits as well, fruit of the Spirit. You know, there's so many of these characteristics. But I was thinking, what is our response to this? How do we respond to everything that we've heard? Because I don't know about you, it's easy to hear something, but even more difficult to put it into practice. And so the title of what I've put this is will probably give you the foundation of what I want to share. And I said it's from deep water to higher ground. And so if you want to turn to me, with me to Galatians 5, we're going to start in verse 13. <coughs> And it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage... Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You see, there's a huge comparison going on here. You've got the comparison between now the Spirit and a comparison between now the flesh. And when we understand that God created us in his image, to not be bound by the laws of this world, but instead the unmerited favour of his kingdom, other people call this grace. We're living in a time of grace. Then we can realise that the best way to walk in our every day is by him. We can either sink into the world or we can press on to the higher, gra- higher grounds, which is the kingdom, walking in the heavenly realms. And so I want to split this up and look at this and so I'm first going to look at deep water. You see, what, what is deep water? Well, that is the sinful nature that we can fall into. And with deep water, I don't know whether you, if any of you have been diving before, when you, you know, have ever done that, or when you swim and everything like that. The deeper, deeper you go, the more you may feel pressure on your ears and everything. It's the same case. With deep water, there comes increasing pressure. The further we sink 
the greater the pressure becomes, which in turn, it becomes harder to resist. And so, just to explain this even more clearly, does everybody know a submarine? You all know, understand submarines, yes? You can picture your, submar- your own personalised submarine. I've got mine. It's the SS Tomasito. It's very good. It's very nice. It's very luxurious. But you look at submarines. They are designed to go underwater and to reach incredible depths. And I was researching into this, and what I found, don't hold me to this, I may be wrong, but what I found was that the deepest recorded submarine dive to date is 10,911 metres, which is 35,797 feet. I don't know about you, but I think that's deep. I don't think I could swim there. I don't think I can hold my breath that long. But what happens at such depth? The deeper it goes, the submarine goes, the more pressure there is on the whole. And it's greatly intensified. You see, this is why submarines have to be made at such incredible precision. Because if you have a slight defect at such great depth when there's so much pressure, catastrophe, you know, crushed by that pressure. Again, if you look at an orange or an egg, okay, let's look at fruit now, an orange, and you got... If you hold an orange in your hand, it's very nice, but then you start to squeeze it, yeah? The more you squeeze, the more deformed it becomes before it bursts, you know? It's the same thing. The more pressure you put on it, the more it can become crushed. And this is exactly what can happen to us if we follow the way of the world, if we follow the sinful nature. Why is this? We see, we look at the world and it's great. I mean, I, I, I really, this last few weeks as I've been walking around and thinking, wow, it's a beautiful place. Really, the world is. You know, air to breathe, you know, birds chirping in the trees. It's really lovely. But also, I'm aware that this world, you know, we're only here for a moment. This is not the environment suited for us. If you look at Adam and Eve, we go back to the story of Genesis, you look at them, God created this beautiful garden. And then he created man. And they walked around this garden completely naked, but they had no shame. But then they were tempted into sin, and they sinned. And the result of that was that they had to, to work on the ground. They had to toil. It was pain and suffering had to endure, had to follow. No more could they live in that luxury anymore. You see, when I look at ourselves, we can hold some resistance, but if we're not careful, we can let the pressure get too much for us. I don't know, I think we can all testify to some points when we've reached a boiling point, where we just burst. I have many experiences in the past, which I won't you know, elaborate on, but it happens. The pressure gets too much, and then we burst. See, when we follow the ways of the world, we are moving away from the direction God wants us to follow. Because God calls us to go against the grain of the world, goes against the pattern. It's very easy to do this, though. It's very easy to follow the world. It's very easy to get caught up in what people say and this and that, you know, and walk in that direction. And this is why we have to be wary of our actions, what we say and what we do, what we allow ourselves to be distracted by on a daily basis. It's not just once in a moment, it's every day. 
and I myself can satisfy that I've gone from morning to evening and then before I've just gone to bed thinking, oh my goodness, my day's gone. We can go through a day without giving a second thought about what's going on. But then if we don't realize what's just happened, then how can we be wary of our actions and what we've said and what we've done? But as it says in Galatians in verse 13, it says, you know, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. If you turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 12, it says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And in Romans 12.21 it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, we have to be careful because the biggest danger of following the way of the world is that it can cause division. Division within the church. And this is what I want to look at. As a church family, we, I, I hope and I pray that we can take something from this individually, but also together as a church. Because 2014 has been an incredible year, I believe. God has really been moving and we're really moving forward. And so we can really look ahead to 2015 and be like, okay, God, what do you have for us? But of course, we also, as a body, we have to be wary of ourselves and what we're doing. And so not to cause division. See, these divisions can come through selfish ambition. They can come from what we say, how we act. I'm not a big fan of denominations. I'm going out on a limb here. <laughs> For me, I look at I look at the church and I, I look at denominations and I'm thinking, why do we have denominations? Because you look at the church and you see we've got Baptists, we've got you know Pentecostal, we've got Catholic, and so many others. And I've seen it so many times where churches go against each other just merely because of the denomination. And I'm thinking, this is not right. You know why? To to share with with you. In China, uh, Christians there are heavily persecuted. And um, I had a story when I was out on mission in uh, Morocco with our team. And um, we heard the story about how um, you know, the Chinese would meet in secret, these believers. They meet in secret, they meet either underground as well, under candlelight. And then, of course, churches from, from the West here in America and England and other countries heard that they were meeting together, but they had no material. So one church sent material out, sent out Bibles in uh, one translation, in one, you know, it's like NIV or something like that. They sent out and study notes and to, to encourage these Chinese to help them grow in their faith together. But then the other churches heard that this church was involved and they thought, oh, we want to get in on this too. So they started sending out all their material as well. But you know, it all started to coincide with each other. So, of course, you, and then these Chinese believers, they were receiving this material, and one was saying this, and then one was saying that, and you're thinking, oh, this doesn't quite 
add up. They're saying slightly different things. And it began to cause division between the Chinese believers. But then the next thing is what inspired me. It got to the point that the, the Chinese believers, that I think the leader, some of the leader, people that were leading this met together. And they said, now what are we going to do about this? Because this can't continue. So then they did away with all this other material that was sent out and went back to the one that was sent from the church originally. And then they all came back together again. And it continued to grow and grow from there onwards. I think this is an amazing testimony, you see. To not cause division within the body, we have to work together for the same cause. You know, I look at these churches around, they, I say, we all worship the same God. God is present for you as he is for us. God is moving in your life as he is moving in our lives. So why are we fighting against each other? See, if we have selfish ambition in our hearts, we can easily quench the flame of someone or a church or a group of people that are growing in God because we don't want them to be greater than us. This, again, this is both individual and collective as a church. You know, churches can try and move in because thinking, well, that church is coming really big. Oh, we don't like this. They're bigger than us now. Okay, we've got to intervene here because stay ahead, you know. But also on an individual basis, it's the same for us, you know. Oh, blimey, this guy's really growing in his faith and he's only been in church for a few months and I've been in church for like, I don't know, 20 years and oh, this is not good. And he comes to me to ask you for advice and you're like, okay, slow down, you know, slow down. You know, just Don't rush, you've got, you got your whole life, you know. And we can be very quick to act from our thoughts but not act in the spirit, what God wants to do. If we have anger or other things in our hearts, we can speak against each other harshly that could cause faith, faith to shatter. And so just a question to thought is, for you to think over is, what is the outcome of your actions? Every action you do, every word that you say, everything that you do, what is the outcome of that? What is the ripple effect of that decision? In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 to 35, it says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, who are evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. The bit I hold on to there is, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is in our hearts? Is it that that is filled with the Spirit? Or is that that is contained by the world? So here's a question. If we are divided within the body, if we're divided in the church, how can we reach those who do not even know of the name Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for them out of love? If we are divided, how can we possibly look to reach out to people out there when we ourselves, dare I say, are hypocrites? I may not be talking to this church directly, but it's something that we should recognize. Because we, we can't reach out to people if we're not right ourselves, both individually and together as a church. 
See, it's important, important to assess where our hearts are on a daily basis and seek out the goodness that is held within the Spirit of God. Then if our hearts are in the right place, we can also walk in the right direction. See, we serve a God that has made us with incredible precision. He says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made in his likeness. We are made with precision. Not only that, but he's provided us the tools to resist the pressures of the world through him. Not by ourselves. We can't, there's no way that we can go out in our world with our own strength and our own mind and our own thinking and our own speech and be able to overcome it. No way. We will fall probably in the first day. In the first encounter we come, we'll probably say something that is not right. But God gives us the tool. He gives it through his word. He gives it through his spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. A God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I just want to clarify this phrase because I've heard this said many times and I've heard it said out of context. It says, no temptation has seized you. No temptation is too much to bear. It doesn't say no test is too much to bear. I've heard people say that, oh, you will never be tested beyond what you can bear because God is faithful and he provides you the tools. God will provide you the tools. But I, I believe that we will be tested beyond that which we can bear because we have to be tested beyond that which we can bear because we no longer rely on ourselves. We only rely on God in that situation because we find that we are completely helpless. We cannot do it ourselves. That's when we come to God and say, God, I need you. Take me through this situation. But this says, no temptation has seized you. God doesn't tempt us. I just want to make that clear. He doesn't tempt us. He provides us the tools to resist temptation, to get away from it. Temptation comes from the enemy. But we can have reassurance that God has overcome the enemy. He did that. He did that on the cross. He did that by his blood. And so we just have to stand here and say, God, I believe in you. And so no temptation will ever be too much to handle. Because we can say, you know, when you're in that realm of like, ooh, I shouldn't, but I like that chocolate cake. You know, instead of indulging, this is only a small one, but it's like instead of indulging in that, we can be like, you know what? No. No. I'm going to read my Bible instead. (laughs) It's a silly one, but it just proves, it just makes the point. But then if we look on, you know, that's deep water, but then we got the next bit. We want to go to the higher grounds. I'm fighting on higher grounds. This is the spiritual nature. This is where we should all be. Following the ways of the Spirit leads us across higher grounds. If you're back in this verse in Galatians that I shared at the start, in verse 25, it says, you know, saying that when we live by the Spirit, we must keep in step with the Spirit. We've been hearing this through the testimonies that have been shared to, to be, a, to listen to the Spirit and walk in that way. So we need to get into us the fruit of the Spirit. Julian shared on this a couple of months ago, or a month or so ago. He looked at the different fruit 
of the Spirit. And just went in more depth about them. But if you look how pleasing the way of the Spirit is than the way of the world, you've got love, you've got joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Often people stop there, but I like the next bit. Against such thing there is no law. That's, that's a powerful statement. We can be quick to read it. Oh yeah, it's love, joy, peace, kindness. No, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness. Against such thing there is no law. Nothing can bound us down. So then, what is the way of the world? Well, straight away I say it's being bound by law. Disapproval, debt, hate, greed, conformity, anger, frustration, depression, suicide, death. Each day we face is a battle, but if we are living by the Spirit, we are already effectively standing on higher ground. Now if I was to ask you, if you were in a battle, imagine yourself in the olden days with your suit of armour and your sword and shield. If you were in a battle, where would you rather be? Would you want to be in the valley or would you want to be on the hill? If you had to choose between the two. You can give a feedback if you want. Yeah. We'll say hill. See, why? Why would we want to be on a hill? You're thinking, oh, it's, it's nice up there. A bit cold because the wind is blowing. <laughs> Don't engage in the battle. No. It gives the advantage because it gives a better perspective. If you're down in the, in the valley, you can only see so far, you can only see like a few meters ahead, you've got hill, all the hills on the other side, you're, you're kind of stuck in a, in a, you only see so far, it's a very short way that you can see. But you go up to the hill, your perspective, your view is greatly improved. You can see for miles, you can see everything. You can see your enemy, you can see how much there's in their army, you can see their weaknesses, you can see the divides, you can say, oh, the best way to go is not front on, I'll go from the side. You can see all these things. If we turn to Exodus, chapter 17, it's an example of this, verse 8 to 13. This is Moses and Joshua and the Amalekites were coming to attack the Israelites. Verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. Whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. See, Moses went up to the top of the hill. I don't think he went up to a hill where he couldn't see anything. I think he went up to the hill so he could see how the battle was unfolding as well. But he was aided. This is the thing I want to point out. He was aided. He wasn't hindered by Aaron and her. You see, holding a staff up for 
for a long time. You know, I don't know about you, holding my arms up for like so long, I can only do it for so long, then you start to drop it down a bit, you know. But Aaron and her aided him. When the hands of Moses were dropping, they did not push him out of the way and say, you know what, I'm more able. Your arms are tired, you know, get out of the way. Give me your staff. There we go. I'll take over. They didn't do that. They say they aided him. They supported him. They encouraged him by lifting up his arms for him. They were united together for the same cause. See, this is living by the Spirit. You know, these Aaron and her, when I look at this, I think they were showing faithfulness, they were showing goodness, they were showing self-control. See, together as one body, we can support each other in any battle that we face together, both individually and as a church. We're really moving forward as a church, and I hope you believe that. And I'm excited for what this next year has in store for us, but I believe there will be battles along the way. And if we're united together for the same cause, there's no reason why we can't overcome. Understanding that God is with us, by His Spirit we can move. If we go to higher grounds, we can see clearly the area of battle, and we'll be over, be able to overcome. We can overcome the pull of the world. The world is out there, and it's it's trying to say, you know what? Come, come in. This is better. You want this because you can actually see it. You can actually touch it. And God is able to even touch me. But I'm more powerful. And I can move. I can move in ways unexpected. The world says to us that we are nothing. It does. We're just numbers on a piece of paper. But God says that we are his. The world says money means everything, but God says I am everything. The world says we need to be selfish in order to get to the best position. But God says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be handed to you. There's a big comparison between deep water and higher ground. So as a result of this, what else must we do? Well, we cannot compromise. How easy, how easy is it to compromise something that you believe in? I've had that. You know. I don't know whether it's because of Christmas and this is the only example that I can get, but it's just like, you know, I'm gonna go on diet from tomorrow. But tomorrow's Christmas Day. Okay, the day after. But then there's leftovers. Okay, you know, day after that. I know, but you know, you got all your sweets that you got for for Christmas. You gotta eat those too. You can't leave leave them. Okay, next year, and so on and so forth. But it's also the same in our faith. You know, before when I remember when I was very new to my faith, I was um, seven seven years ago, eight years ago. I was in college. You know, and people would be very quick to voice their opinions, and I would hide the fact that I was a believer in God. I was just like, you know, I have nothing to say, really. I just don't, I don't have anything to stand on. And of course, you know, people would say something to you like, you know, do you do this? Do you do that? Do you do this? Do you do that? It was just like, no. Do you want to? Okay. You know. Do you want a drink? Yeah. Do you want another? 
Are you having one? Yeah, okay. Do you want another drink? Sure. It's very easy to be led astray. And I thank God for the journey he's taken me on because now I'm like, I can see a great difference. Do you drink? Not often. Uh, Why not? One, I don't like it when I drink too much. Two, it's actually personally, I get a bit tired of just drinking the same drink, you know, alcohol. There's a limit, you know, it loses its taste. I'd rather have like a nice cup of tea. I'm only 24, that's scary, isn't it? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Cup of tea. See, when I look at the life of Jesus, and look how he, his ministry, I don't believe he made compromises. And how can you say that? Because there were times when he would want to go off to a quiet place, and then there was all these people there, so then he couldn't have his quiet with his disciples. He had to minister to the people. No, I think he wanted to minister to the people. That was his goal in the first place, to reach out to people. I don't think he did compromise. He didn't compromise when he was out in the desert being tested by the enemy. He held on to the truth of the scripture and overcame the battle. Everything the enemy threw at him, he had a response and he stayed firm. In Psalm 18, uh, verse 30 to 36, it says, As for God, his way is perfect. I don't really ever say any more than that, do I? As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock beside our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn over. God's way is perfect. His word is flawless. So why do we add words? <laughs> God's word is flawless. And quite easily, it can be very easy to interpret it in a different way and try and make it less than what it is. Read God's word for God's word's sake. God's word is pure. That's it. Read it as it is. Why listen to anything else? Why listen to what people out in the world that have no concept of God say? God enables us to stand at great heights. See, we cannot choose the middle ground in between. It's either live by the Spirit or we live by the desires of the flesh. We cannot be one thing one day and another thing the other day. Today I'm going to be holy. I'm going to go out and do my prayers. Then I know I'll, uh, you know, I'll anoint someone, maybe pray for somebody, and then I pray again, and then I'll go to bed. And then the next morning, okay, let's go to the pub. Let's get drunk. No, you can't do that. Again, it, it, it's drawing in line with, with being a hypocrite, having a mask on. 
I've had many lessons over my short life. <laughs> Be careful what I say. Up to now, I've been met. God has been really speaking things, and there have been situations I've gone through. I've made a mistake, but I've learned from it. But then I face a situation again, and I rise above it. And it's like his testimony to God. It's not my own strength. It's God speaking to me. God moving. When I do something wrong, He convicts me of that, and I and I listen. I listen. It's like, oh no, that was wrong. I can see that now. So what if I try this way instead? Wow, that, that outcome was so much better than I can ever imagine. See, there needs to be consistency, consistency day by day. See, only when we are walking in line with God will we grow. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I look at that and I'm thinking, well, if we can be a difference here, instead of only a few finding a narrow way, as a church, as a body, as a family, as individuals, if we're walking by the Spirit, we can make it, instead of a few, we can make it many. We can help many find that narrow path and walk through that gate. It can be very easy to put a mask on in the morning, to let everyday situations affect us. To everybody around, we can look like a really holy person, but underneath we can allow everyday trials to pin us down in that dark valley. You see, when we do find ourselves in a valley, we can hide ourselves. It's a, a kind of cupboard there. You can hide. But when we're on the higher grounds, we're exposed. Everyone can see us. We can see with greater perspective but we're living higher up. People will recognize that our life is different. People can see, hang on, you're not not a normal person. My response to that is, what is normal anyway? But still, it's just like, yes, my life is different. Do you want to know why? (laughs) No? Okay. (laughs) Sometimes yes. And then we can lead. We are a light When we're on a hill, when we're on the higher grounds, we are a light, a source of hope to those that are stuck in the dark and cannot, in their own mind, see a way out. But when we hold on to the values of Christ, when we have the fruit of the Spirit within us, we can be a guide, we can lead. We can see people that are walking around in circles in the valley say, you know what, the way out's up there. The way out is up here. Are you willing to come up to the higher ground? It takes sacrifice. It takes hard work. It takes effort. You may slip and fall. But eventually, eventually you'll reach the top and your perspective will be greater than what you can see down there. See, God says if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. I've held mustard seed loads of times. It's so small. I'm scared to lose the thing. 
And I'm thinking, this grows up to be such a big tree. I'm thinking, if that, God is saying, if our faith is as small as a mustard seed, we can, we can move mountains. I don't think physical mountains. I think the mountains are the trials that we face. The everyday things that we go through. You may, you may go through a situation and it's, you know, it's just like, it's difficult, but I can do it. And you get through it. But you might find other things where you're just like, how on earth am I going to tackle this? And that's where your faith comes in. You have a mustard seed of faith and you can move through that situation. But then, of course, I was looking at this and thinking, it's just a mustard seed of faith. Mustard seed of faith. We had, well, we had faith the size of an apple. We're faith the size of a melon. You know. We're, we're, or we have faith as size in, as a house. You know. How much more could we persevere? How much more could we move? How much more can we impact the world out there? See, Christ has given us freedom from the ways of the world. Our sin is no more, therefore we should no longer be bound by it. The chains are broken, guys. The chains are broken. Now we've got to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the freedom that is so freely given to us. We're living, like I said at the start, we're living in a time of grace. And let's not, you know, take it for granted. Let's use this. So just as I close, like, where are you in your walk with Christ? Looking at year, year, we've, we said, Tyler said at the start about testimonies, how God is moving. Where are you in your walk with Christ? Can you see how God is moving in your life? Are you sinking in the way of the world and the flesh? Are we, or why are you trusting and are you stepping out? Are you reaching out to those higher grounds? Do you doubt the word of God in your life? That's a big one. Do you doubt God's word? Even a simple thing as saying, why? Are you doubting God? Or are you putting yourself down and saying that the hill is too high, that you're never going to make it? You keep climbing and climbing, but it's just like you're never going to reach the top. And God says to persevere through the trials. Keep persevering and rejoice in that because you're growing, you're being built up. There's something more than just reaching the top. Your journey in through life, that's your training, that's your learning, that's your teaching. Grab hold of it, take, take it, learn from it. It's just like, I want to be over there, but what about the path in between? Don't wish your time away. It's easy to stumble and fall, and it's all the more difficult to get up and try again. But the great thing is that the battle has already been won. God paid the ultimate price for our freedom in Him, and all we have to do is walk in step in Him, with Him, and not indulge in what we believe we need, but instead trust in what God has for us. He formed us. He made us. He created you so individual with precision. Precision. And so I don't think I can ever say I know myself better than anyone. God knows me better than I know myself. 
He knows my capabilities. He knows your capabilities. You think you're not able? I reckon God's saying, you know what? You are able. You just got to believe that you're able. Believe in me that you're able. God knows our capabilities and we just have to be willing to trust him. Walking in step with the Spirit, as we've heard already. Spending time seeing the Spirit as a person. How would you be, spend, be with a person that you, you know, a close friend? You'll spend time with them. Spend time with the Spirit. Wait on the Spirit. Receive the gift that God has for you so freely. You can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn the favour of God. There's nothing we can do to earn the gift that God has. All we've got to do is just say, thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. And then use it for his kingdom. And then allow that spirit in within you to grow into the fruit. That you're walking in love, you're walking in joy and peace. That every action is filled with kindness and goodness. That you have self-control in those difficult moments. That you won't just burst your top, but you'll, you'll actually control it and say, you know what? Breathe. God says this in his word. And I'll hold on to that. God wants us to walk on the higher grounds. And so I say, are you willing to walk? As we go into 2015, are you willing to, to, to take a step? To take another step? We've been here, we've been here, and it can become, become comfortable. But I really feel that these, the series that Tyler brought forward and with, with the help of Julian and Hannah on the Holy Spirit was not just for series' sake, it was because there God was speaking. And this is why I feel convicted to share this, is that I still feel that conviction that we should just not forget what is said. It's so easy to forget, but actually take hold of it and walk in it. God is on the move. So let's take hold of it. Let's not compromise. Let's not, let's not sink. But let's support each other as a body, as a family, as a church. Whenever you're going difficulties, you're not on your own. God is with you, but also we're here for you. Each family member is here. When the body suffers, when one part suffers, we all suffer. I don't want to see someone struggling. I want to see, I want to see someone persevere and break through the struggle. I don't want to see people out in that world thinking that this is it. You know, you're born, you live, you die. I'm thinking there's so much more to it than that. Where is your hope? Where is your vision? Where is, you know, what's your desire? I believe that the Spirit of God is ready to move and we've got to be willing to help it on its way and allow it to move. Not to, not to put a barrier in front and say, you know what, I can't do that. But actually say, you know what, I don't understand, but I'm going to go for it anyway. God is on the move. And so I hope this is an encouragement for you. I hope you're challenged, because I was reading over it, changing it, trying to make it shorter, but instead making it longer. God has a funny sense of humor, which I don't understand sometimes. But be blessed, and let's walk in the Spirit. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. 
To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.